Welcome to In the Classroom, episode number 27. Today is October 20th, 2018, and in this episode, I talk about four ways that you can make your classroom more dynamic. In the Classroom with Benjamin Stewart, making teaching and learning more transparent, is a podcast for educators, instructional designers, administrators, trainers, or anyone who is interested in topics related to curriculum, assessment, instruction, and educational technologies. The goal is to provoke new ideas, perspectives, and context around teaching, learning, and educational leadership. Okay, today I want to talk about instructional learning episodes, and I want to think about within the context of maybe situations where we find ourselves getting in a rut, teaching the same way over time, looking at our lesson plans that we've perhaps taught many times, maybe even years uh, before, and getting into a routine where maybe uh, our teaching practice and experiences are mundane, and probably if they're mundane for us, they're probably mundane for, for our learners. If we're bored as teachers, I think it's not a stretch to think that our students perhaps are bored as well. So I wanted to talk about four different distinct instructional learning episodes, ways to look at your own teaching practice in, in hopes that uh, it provides some insight into how you can create a more dynamic class. So the first instructional learning episode, and when I talk about instructional learning episodes, really this is based on research that's been around for 20-odd years now. I've included some links in the show notes if you're interested in looking at some uh, studies on instructional learning episodes. But uh, the first one I want to talk about t- today is knowledge versus skill. So regardless of what kind of class we're teaching, if it's a language learning class, whether it's a content course, we typically can think in terms of content type of objectives versus skill-based objectives or knowledge, some sort of content knowledge that students are needing to know and some sort of skill or uh, procedural knowledge that they need to also uh, gain. And so when you look at your practice, for example, in my case, when I look at uh, uh, a recent class, I'm, I'm teaching a, a writing class for pre-service English language teachers. Uh, these, teacher, these students um, slash future teachers are also English language learners themselves. They're typically at an A2 level, according to the Common European Framework. So many of the students are are learning the language, and in this class that I'm teaching this semester, they're trying to improve their writing skills. It's really a cross between this declarative knowledge of learning what verbs are, learning what verb uh, phrases are, prepositional phrases, different types of clauses, as well as discourse writing, moving from sentence to sentence, looking at different transitions, ream and theme, and so on, and obviously just the act of developing the skill of writing, making sure that they are writing uh, with unity, that they write coherently and cohesively. So we constantly are going back and forth between developing this declarative knowledge versus this procedural knowledge or skills that are involved in the class. So when we look at and think about our own practice, think of it in terms of what are my students learning, what is the declarative knowledge, the content, the information, versus what kind of skills are they looking at. And this could be technical skills. It could be linguistic skills, of course. Um, could be a combination of both. But really, depending on the domain and what uh, area that we are teaching in, it's kind of going back and forth between this idea of knowledge and skills. 
Now, the research talks about primarily just knowledge and skills. I would throw in also uh, values, attitudes, disposition as a kind of a third aspect of this where we also want to develop some sort of ethical behavior uh, from our students to kind of throw in that into the mix uh, of of knowledge and skill as well. Uh, The second aspect that I want to talk about, the second type of instructional learning episode in order to make your class more dynamic is thinking in terms of strategies, specifically metacognitive versus cognitive strategies. So here we turn the learning experience back to the student and provide some sort of agency in how they develop their own learning skills. Uh, Let's say cognitively speaking, we look at different types of mind maps. I know this semester I'm using a lot of those in terms of writing and how it can facilitate the process of writing. When my students are trying to compare and contrast two different items, three different items, we look at a a Venn diagram, for example. We've used different um, organizational charts uh, or organizational graphs to facilitate the process of writing a paragraph, which is really the end goal for this particular uh, writing class. And so it really looks at, cognitively speaking, look at the different, looking at the different strategies to see how students can use these different uh, strategies or mind maps or some sort of cognitive map that they can use in order to build schemata that really helps them develop their knowledge and, and skills. Metacognitively speaking, we can look at terms of how we can facilitate the process of students thinking how they learn best, whether it's working uh, with others, how they maybe resolve conflict with their partner's cognitive conflict, where they are trying to find ways to best work together for a particular task in, in, in class, and instructors, how we can facilitate that, that process. So really, it's about us to helping students bring about a greater awareness of how they can learn more about themselves as learners, and in, both in terms of cognitive uh, processes and metacognitive processes. You're listening to In the Classroom with Benjamin Stewart, where each episode poses a through-line question or problem intended to generate dialogue around current issues that affect educational stakeholders who are concerned with improving learning outcomes. If you have anything to say about today's topic, send your comments and questions to www.benjaminlstewart.org. Now, the third type of instructional learning episode that I want to discuss today in order to perhaps create opportunities for more dynamic types of classes, uh, classes perhaps that will enable you to take more risks and try new things, is looking at the context of the learning experience for your students and looking at it in terms of what they, what the research refers to it as far versus near transfer. So, a far transfer experience will, well, let me back up. We'll start with the near transfer. Near transfer would be a very similar context. So it's something that in your class, maybe students are very familiar with. Think of context as basically everything that involves the, the educative experience that's not the actual knowledge and skills that they're supposed to learn or that's intended for them to learn uh, in your formal educational context. And I guess I should clarify from the beginning that I'm basically talking about formal education here um, in terms of these different instructional learning episodes. 
But looking at a near transfer would simply be that students are very accustomed to experience similar context where they're uh, developing their, their knowledge and skills. In contrast, far transfer would be those new contexts where we bring about maybe a slightly a slight variation of a context where they need to adapt and really apply perhaps in a different way what they learned in maybe a similar context in a prior class, for example, or a prior lesson. In my case, looking at my uh, writing class, a similar context would be the actual writing process itself since we typically move week to week beginning it on Monday and Tuesday, really brainstorming and reading and trying to generate ideas, having, trying to help my students generate different ideas and vocabulary that they can later use that week in developing their own paragraph. Midweek, we typically are going through some sort of organizational exercise where they are taking those words and ideas and thinking about how they can organize their ideas into some unified, coherent, and cohesive pattern. And then finally, towards the latter part of the week, developing that first draft receiving feedback, whether it's from me or and or their peers, and then making edits and changes and revisions to that written text until they come up with the final draft. So that whole process, I think, is a very similar context in the sense that they kind of get in a routine and they are familiar now, now that we're entering week 11, they're now familiar with that process and moving from brainstorming to some sort of organizational, maybe an outline or mind map onto the writing process itself. Now, in my case, what uh, the way I've designed my class is that each week, each student is presented an essential question at the beginning of the week. On Monday, we pose a question that we really revisit every day, Monday through Friday, uh, digging deeper and deeper into that question. And essentially, their paragraph that they're developing each week by Friday is really an answer to that essential question. So uh, for, in my context, the transfer would be, uh, in part, the different questions that are being posed for that particular week. The second part would be social. The context would be social because I try to vary the way that they go about um, creating the and, and getting information for their paragraph. So, for example, um, one week I might have them interview someone special or someone close to them in order to generate information and ideas for them to then later write a paragraph about. Every week will be different in terms of whether they work individually in pairs, small groups, or as a whole group in developing different ideas for a particular uh, paragraph or for a particular essential question. So the, even though we go through a brainstorming and organizational type of exercise and then we draft or our, they draft their text, they, um, they are always interacting in different ways and in different patterns um, to go through those three processes for, for, a write, for this writing class. So that's really the, um, the way that I vary slightly uh, the context because each student also is asked to develop and maintain an e-portfolio throughout a slightly different context might be the way in which they decide to publish their work uh, to their e-portfolio. So this is a totally different, um, different way of really producing or creating a product for each week other than just creating it in Google Docs where maybe uh, I 
uh, I will see it, or maybe some of the students in class or their classmates might see it. Now they will also finally publish it to an e-portfolio where potentially everyone in the whole world could see. Those especially outside the, cl- outside the class can, can uh, see that, that, that work and perhaps even comment on that if comment on their work if, if, that's, if that's the case. But the, what we want our students to, to realize from, from the first semester is that this e-portfolio can follow them and they can create and maintain this e-portfolio throughout their learning process in, in uh, the bachelor's degree, degree program. So when they graduate and, and are looking for that teaching job, that they can have this e-portfolio to complement their uh, resume and uh, their cover letter. So context, the, the last instructional learning episode that I want to talk about that can perhaps uh, allow you to look at your classes in a more dynamic way is this idea of reproductive versus productive activities. Reproductive being less complex. So activities where maybe they are memorizing dates or memorizing words or vocabulary lists. Um, basically, this rote learning process where they might be filling out uh, handouts, and uh, and they might be just kind of memorizing different text and dialogues versus a more complex situation, a more productive uh, type of class or activity where they're actually generating language, for example. They're generating knowledge based on different contexts, different ways of thinking, different types of knowledge, and really bringing together, I think, the other three instructional learning episodes and having them be more creative. If we think of Bloom's taxonomy, we can think of uh, creativity and the students being able to analyze and synthesize towards the top of the higher order thinking or critical thinking uh, skill level, but really trying to incorporate maybe a, a mix of these reproductive versus productive activities, moving them and helping them or trying to facilitate the process of them being more productive Uh, as they gain knowledge and skill. So you can see there's a close relationship between each of these four instructional learning episodes. This is nothing new, but I think it's worth mentioning again, even though this has been in the research for 20 plus years, I think it's worth looking at it within our own context. Again, whether we're teaching language teaching, uh, language teaching context, whether we're in a language classroom or a general education class, looking at the different ways that instructional learning episodes not only differentiate between these four, but also how over time we link these different types of episodes one to the next, one day to the next, or one class or one lesson to the next. Maybe taking a unit, whether that's one week, two weeks, four weeks, whatever the case may be, but looking at how we can build lessons uh, over time so that students are moving towards more complex activities, that students are learning gradually to maybe become familiar first with similar context, and then they move on to new context. Finding a way to help students' awareness of, of them as learners themselves and recognizing what works for them, what doesn't work for them, um, and, and finally really looking at, at this relationship between what they know, what they understand, and what they can do, and what what skill based uh, can they can they demonstrate uh, for others to to evaluate to assess. So I hope you find this useful instructional learning episodes. I'm always curious to hear what other teachers have to say. If you have 
anything to add, uh, feel free to leave a comments, leave a question in, at my website, www.benjaminlstewart.org. And any questions that are posed there, um, I will always consider those for future broadcast. So provide any type of feedback. All comments are appreciated and welcome. And I want to thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next broadcast. Thanks for listening to In the Classroom with Benjamin Stewart. If you want to be part of the broadcast or just would like to leave feedback about the show, leave me a message at www.benjaminlstewart.org. In the Classroom, encouraging educators to think and do out loud.